Here we are. Hello, comic book fans. Welcome to Comic Books Transformed, where me and my very good friend Brian over there talk about the adaptations of your favorite comic books into movies and streaming shows. Transformers have definitely been in movie form. They've been in cartoon form, toy form. They've been in comic book form. And now it's time for us to talk about the newest live action Transformers story, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Brian, you have like super detailed notes on this movie, don't you? <laughs> uh, I wrote a lot. And I think I, I said to you, like, I'm having, I have so much to say and stuff. And I have no idea how to focus it. So I just wrote a bunch of blurbs. I don't know if I even covered everything I wanted to cover, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had quite a bit to say about this movie, too, watching it. It's kind of crazy because I just watched The Flash. That's going to be in our next episode, too. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this movie. I, I guess right off the bat, um, you're going to tell us that you loved it, right? I did. I absolutely loved it. Um, I I am ex extremely biased towards Transformers. I know this is not high art. I know this is a dumb popcorn movie. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing really, um, you know, groundbreaking with with any of these movies. I mean, other than maybe some of the, you know, the the, the visuals and, and stuff. But um, it, it just because of of my childhood and the 1986 movie, uh, it just has a, a a big place in my heart, I guess. So yes. um, the bias is there, and and I I'm very well aware of it. Um, <laughs> but I absolutely did love this movie. I uh, it it brought me back to that same kind of feeling I had when I watched the 07 movie where I was just kind of like, I, I was just, uh, I was happy again, you know, like I, I was excited. Um, and you know, I, 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 I definitely lost some of that by the fifth movie, uh, the last <laughs> night. Um, I still can't figure out if I saw Bumblebee in the theater or not. I'm not sure. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 I went back to my, my old ritual of going to the Lincoln center. Uh, I'm actually, screen. I forgot to send you a picture of it. Trust me. It's giant. Um, <laughs> that's why I tell uh, ladies too. No, sorry, <laughs> right. that's totally inappropriate. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that's that's my general sum up of yes, I loved it. Awesome, man. Okay, yeah, I I liked it a lot, and uh, I it seems like you and I maybe liked it for very similar reasons. Like in your notes, you talk about how Mirage steals the show. Um, I think we should kind of point out to people that we are going to go into spoilers, but maybe at first we kind of keep it general and then we'll let you guys know when we're going to deep dive into spoilers. But um, I really do think that like Pete Davidson as Mirage is what makes this movie better than the majority of the live action movies. It's not the best yeah. in my opinion, but yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised. Cause I, I, um, you know, I, I, I sometimes find Pete Davidson kind of annoying, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be fair, I, I guess, because uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I do find him annoying sometimes. I, I, there, I, I found some things I he's done that I, I've laughed at, but uh, other times I find him annoying. I don't know. Uh, he's fantastic in this. It, it, yeah. it really works. I'm so happy that there's a, a different focal Autobot that talks, and it's not Bumblebee still. Yes. Uh, it, it really made a huge difference to me. Yeah, yeah. The reason why he works, right, is because he's not just the, like, goofball comedy character. Like, Pete Davidson's obviously a comedian. He was on Saturday Night Live. He's in a bunch of comedic movies. But there's something about him where he, 
there's like this balance of charm and humor. He's he's very funny. He has a lot of great lines. He has this one line that made the audience just fucking burst out laughing. I, we'll talk about that in spoilers. Sure. But um, he just kind of has this swagger about him. And after watching this movie, I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm saying he has swagger. He's like a giant fucking robot. In this movie. <laughs> but you know, he he's kind of known for dating super attractive celebrity women, right? And so. Yep. Just through this character, you can kind of get and, this idea. And of, wait, wait, one more thing to interject there. And he's from our hometown of Staten Island. Represent, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Th that's what we, you know, where we come from. There's a lot of super charismatic men just like us, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, but um, no, he, he just has like unlimited charm in this movie. And, um, you know, I want to go into that, but I also want to kind of just talk about like general things that are like non-spoilers. So... I like this movie a lot, but I like Bumblebee the best out of all the live action movies. And then I'd say that I like the first movie a lot. And this one kind of is just like right above the first movie. And then those two are way better than all the other sequels. I, I think that there's something. Okay. I wanted to bring this up this point to you. Like what we love, love Transformers comics, right? Yes. But in the comics, do they ever really spare a lot of panels to show their transformations? Um, sometimes it depends on the series. Uh, I've definitely recall splash pages where, you know, you see them transform and do something like that. Yeah. I just, I feel like with the comics, which we love comics. I think that if we were going to say like, you know, transformers media, what do we like the most? I think we'd say like the 1986 movie, then the comics and then like everything else underneath it. Yeah, um, fair. but you know, in comics, I feel like maybe there's like one panel or two panels where they transform, but in all the live action movies, including this one, there's these extensive transformation sequences and it's all dramatic. And it's just interesting how there's a shift in focus, right? In the comics, it's so much about the Autobots themselves and like them in their robot mode versus their vehicle modes. And in this, you know, there's quite a bit of time spent on their vehicle modes. And I think that that's what's appealing about these movies in general is that you have actual real cars driving around, but then they turn into a robot. And there's this kind of sense of wonder when you see like a full tangible car driving on the screen and then it becomes a robot. Would you agree with that? Or do you think I'm just kind of pulling this out of my ass? I, I definitely agree with that. I would definitely say that I think this, there was more time spent as robots in this movie than others I felt. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think that that might actually be a good time to bring up this one point. We, we both listened to this interview with the uh, director of the movie, right? Is uh, Chris Stapleton? Uh, no. Uh, Charlie uh, Staples? What's his name? Stephen Cable Jr. Stephen Cable <laughs> He's a really nice guy. I like him a lot. You can tell he loves Transformers. Yes. But um, you point out that he said that Michael Bay told him, Hey, when you're having a scene with the robots, it should be an action scene because they cost so much money to film and show, right? And um, I think that that is interesting because it sort of reduces the time that you can have character beats with these characters that we love so much. And um, it, it's interesting because I think that in Bumblebee, especially, they kind of veer away from that. Do you think that, that also happened in this movie too? Yes, I, I do. Yeah. Like, I, I do think there's a there's a, a, a there are some kind of returns to uh, some of the Bay isms, for lack of a better term, in this movie. Um, yeah. But I, I think they they took enough 
out of Bumblebee and, and grew uh, in this movie. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like a total Bay movie, like, you know? Right. But it has the fucking MacGuffin and it has like a sky beam, right? Yeah. And there's a plot, there's a world ending plot and all that. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that, like, why do so many fucking comic book movies and like fantasy movies have sky beams? And it's essentially just because it's like the, the, the bad guy will get from here into the world. That's that's pretty much all it is. Yeah. Um, I, I the only thing I could think of is is this maybe to delay the, the action, yeah. stretch it out, and to um, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's really all I can think of. Yeah. Well, it's it's like um, they, you know, basically it's it's like a ticking clock, right? It's it's essentially yeah. like the Death Star. Like, once the Death yeah. Star has cleared the planet, then we're going to kill you all. It's like, once Unicron gets to Earth, we're going to kill you all. You He's going to eat the planet, yeah. Right, he's going to eat the planet, right, right. So, I think we should just go ahead and just jump into spoilers. I mean, your third note on here is a pretty significant spoiler. Oh, uh, yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, in terms of spoilers, too, like, I, I feel like I feel like the trailers really spoiled a lot of this movie. Yes, okay. Okay, so let's address um, that. Your your third note is Bumblebee. Holy shit, they killed him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they kind of really heavily implied that in one in the might even been the teaser trailer to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they also kind of give it away that they show him in scenes that uh, that appear to be later on. I mean, you could have thought that maybe those scenes in Peru were earlier in the movie, and the other scene was towards the end. You absolutely could maybe infer that, but it, it, otherwise, you know you saw things where he kind of might've died and then you saw things where he was back again later on. So like I a hundred percent knew he was coming back, but it was right. still shocking to see. Cause that's yeah. like, you know, they're golden boy, you know, literally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I remember that there was like an international trailer and I saw it and then I told you about it, but I don't think I shared it with you. And like, it showed Bumblebee, like just essentially like, jump up onto Dirge's like blade. And then it also showed Mirage get shot. But Mirage, like, spits up fucking fluid, too, when he gets shot in that trailer. So I think that they edited that out. Yeah, and uh, and that might have been earlier on, too. I, I know that this movie went through a lot of changes. Uh, I don't know how, uh, what point some of them uh, were done. Obviously, if there was effects related, it had to have been done a long time ago. But I, I know some things, one of the big things was only added to the movie uh, about a month before release. Yeah. So... so that that's probably the the biggest uh, spoiler exciting thing, right? Is the um, you know GI Joe, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That that was that was added about a month before the movie released. Um, they tested it with audiences, and 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 one version it was Sector Seven, the other was GI Joe, and obviously GI Joe got the bigger pop, so that's what they went with. Um, how do you feel about GI Joe in comparison to Transformers? I, I mean, we we both know we love Transformers, but we don't talk about GI Joe as much. Yeah. God, that's such a sweet question. I love when people ask me questions like that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually love G.I. Joe. Um, I love G.I. Joe just like I love Transformers, where it's like the more you go into like the ancillary things, like the comics, the more you appreciate it. And the Marvel comics, I always remember reading this one issue of G.I. Joe that was like really violent as a kid and really adult. And I was like, holy shit, this is G.I. Joe. And it had an effect on me. Um, and then I don't like the live-action modern movies – and uh, I, I haven't seen all of Snake Eyes yet, but the IDW GI Joe comics were really great. In particular, this Cobra Files book. So they kind of did the same thing with GI Joe that they did with Transformers, but they did a better job with Transformers and comics. Got it. 
Yeah. Um, and if, if you didn't hear it too, they, uh, they, they also announced it. They recently announced that, um, you know, Skybound Entertainment has the new Transformers and G.I. Joe comics license. It's going to be a shared universe. But they also announced that um, they're going to continue the G.I. Joe Real American Hero comic written by, still written by Larry Hama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like the... What's that? I says, which is insane, you know? Yeah, he, he's like the uh, Simon Furman, but of G.I. Joe. Yeah, uh, he's he's written. He ended the series with IDW at three hundred on a cliffhanger, and he said he's been still writing it, and and it's going to continue, which is just mind blowing to me. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, there's some people where it's like they have like the universe of the fucking thing in their head. Like Simon Furman is a good example of that. He's yeah. the GI Joe version. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited about the Skybound stuff. You know, Chris McFeely the um transformers irish guy that we always talk about he did an episode just on the skybound announcement he said that they don't really cover transformers comics a lot on youtube and i was thinking maybe that might be a good thing for you and me to cover too oh i'll be happy to i'll talk about that void rivals issue all day <laughs> yeah okay well i gotta read it i'm gonna go get it from my store once i get paid but yeah. uh we can talk about that and we can maybe start talking about the transform the uh gi joe comics and stuff when they come out too yeah definitely <laughs> We're going on a little tangent here, though. Let's get back to Rise of the Beasts. So uh, you kind of basically went from, like, each bot in your notes. And so um, you talk about Prime uh, after you talk about Mirage. So you're saying that he's still kind of like the Bay version, right? Yeah, he, he's he's still quick to anger. Not not anger. Um, my, my definitive version of Prime is will always be the G1 cartoon version. Um, as I've said before, you know, Peter Cullen gave that speech about the uh, strong enough to be gentle. Uh, I don't quite 100% get that vibe here. Um, this, I, I love the, the visual look of this prime much better than the Bay movies, 100%, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's quick to fight. You know, he's not very, uh, he's very untrustworthy towards the humans. Yeah. And, but I like that he grows during the movie. Um, yeah. You know, it, there's a path where it's, he's um he becomes what you see in maybe 07. i, I know some people will find that uh, be angered by that i don't know um but you know it, it's he starts off i i felt that that optimus and noah were kind of like a, a mirror here you know um, noah was you know wasn't really trustworthy of the the, the cybertronians he was kind of going along with it just to maybe just save his own planet and prime was going on along with it just to get his people back to his planet. Yeah. Uh, so they, they were both kind of had their own motivations. They were just working together until, um, you know, they can just get what they wanted and then pull out, you know? Yeah. I, I do see the, the comparisons between the two. I wanted to talk about your point about him being like a little bit like the Bay version or a lot like the Bay version. Um, in this movie, there's a couple of scenes. Like, there's one part where him and Optimus Primal are fighting, like, that big bruiser, Terracon. And, uh, yeah, and they both kind of take him down. And then, like, Optimus Primal just smashes his head in. And the regular Optimus says, that was my killer. He was mine. And, and you like, mine, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just feel like that's not that G1 Optimus that you talked about. Yeah, it's not. But, yeah. I, I mean, I know that they – the the increased stakes are, are obviously um you know needed i i think you know you, you can't have the the cartoon where everyone's just shooting lasers and occasionally hitting somebody and then everybody's fine at the end you know 
I understand that it needs to be consequences snake to mistakes to make these um this to give the movies weight I guess I I agree but I feel like they kind of just go overboard every single time like he always yeah. like basically since that 2007 version of Optimus every version of Optimus has been more bloodthirsty maybe this uh Transformers Earth Spark maybe he's not like that on that show but like in the video games that you know you play and then also um the optimus the uh transformers prime show right and uh especially that fucking netflix show optimus is just like this like brutal warrior killer you know yeah yeah and and so um, i yeah i always kind of looked at him like he's like this father figure that's kind of you know giving wisdom to other transformers and then having him be like i'm gonna kill you fucking scourge like you know like on the yeah. road yeah like that that's just not my optimus yeah um and 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 he does sort of have that kind of father figure is he, he has some undertones of that i think you know he is he's kind of racked by guilt of that he he's he and the autobots he had the autobots come here and now they've been trapped here for seven years since bumblebee mm -hmm. so he essentially feels terrible about that and uh you know he, he thinks he's failed so he and he just wants to protect his, his people and get them back home okay. um, and I, I can kind of respect that a little bit but he's and it's just um but yeah he, he's still like a little too aggressive i think yeah I, look i actually really really like that arc where it's like he's feeling very guilty that he made them come to earth and now they're kind of stranded there but that kind of brings up one of my issues with this movie is that they kind of try to have their cake and eat it too. They, they try to make it super ambiguous so that it can still kind of be the Bay movies and it can still kind of be Bumblebee, like a sequel to Bumblebee. Yeah. Right. Cause they, they do this shit where like, okay, the very first scene is this planet. They don't say the name of the planet or anything. And there's the Maximals and the Terracons attack the planet and then Unicron comes and eats the planet. And you, it, it's a planet that's green and stuff. And so, you like, a person that's not a big Transformers fan will be like, oh, well, this is some random alien planet. And these guys are, like, another race. But guys like us will be like, well, the Maximals are, like, the future versions of the Cybertronians. So yeah. so you're assuming that, like, that's Cybertron that he's eating, right? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, from... From what I'm understanding, the, the, what I took out of this is that there, and from what I took it out of what I what they took out of the movie, is that there are transformers on many different planets or transformer-like uh, beings on other planets. Um, I would say that 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 planet was maybe it was Cybertron. I, I won't rule it out, but I'm saying that maybe that's where the Maximals settled after Cybertron was previously destroyed or something like that or just whatever they just left um yeah. there is pre precedence in other continuities particularly transformer cybertron the, the the third cartoon in the unicron trilogy um you know there's the, the the jungle planet and the speed planet and the giant planet and all that stuff so i mean that maybe that was supposed to be the jungle planet or something i don't know yeah i just <laughs> i just feel like they kind of kept everything ambiguous in this final film where it's like they could say it's something else in future films. They don't like stick to something like they, they just, there's a lot, the ambiguity just bothers me. Like, well, I, yeah, I, I think a part of that is because they don't know how 
audiences are going to react to it. Yeah. It, on one hand, they want to make a complete film in the case that it fails and this doesn't continue. Yeah. And they don't want to. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be worse if they gave you something and led you on that there was going to be something else and then it just wasn't? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I like. Okay. I don't know. I honestly, the whole thing with the Maximals kind of bothers me. Like, if if you had almost like just taken the Maximals out completely and just made it Terracons and Autobots, I think I would almost be okay with that. What about you? I didn't think about that actually. Um, yeah, I guess the Maximals don't do much. I think the only two that really get any kind of spotlight are Primal and Airazor. Um, Cheetor and Rhinox are just background characters. I'm not even sure Rhinox speaks, to be honest. No, he doesn't. Cheetor has a line or two, I think, but that's, that's, it's not much. Right. Um, and I I have to also throw in the, the, the extremely deep cut of Ape Link in the beginning. That's the the robot that Scourge kills in the very beginning of the movie. That's like a, that's like an obscure BotCon exclusive character. Yeah. Um, who was like a, like, he was just a repaint of Optimus Primal. He was like more brown colored. And then he was the leader of the Wreckers in that continuity. And oh, it wow. Was, it was a really deep cut that was nice to see in the year, you know? Yeah. yeah. I really appreciated that, that Easter egg. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, the, the Maximals don't do much here. I, I, I guess they're, they're just there as a kind of a counterpart of the Terracons. Um, in a sense that, you know, the Terracons are heralds of Unicron and, you know, the, the Maximals are, and Unicron is in the future, apparently, I guess. And the Maximals are just what's left and, and kind of the warning of that. Okay. Okay. So your, your take is that Unicron is in the future. That that's the biggest problem with the continuity is that it's like, well, where is Unicron? They, They say such like ambiguous shit where they're like, uh, well, he has to come into this galaxy to to get to Earth or get us. And it's like, wait, where the fuck is he? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was a little odd. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even if you go back to the the old uh, cartoon movie, too, like, I, I didn't quite ever understand, you know, where Unicron was before or after and, you know, in between and during that movie. Like, I don't know how how he was traveling between place to place and what speed or anything. Like, I had no concept of that whatsoever. So... I mean, really, that they could be just taking that from that. Uh, yeah. I, I did get the vibe that he was in the future. They needed the transwarp key for him to go wherever the fuck he wants and uh, eat more planets, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that he would go into the past to eat planets, though, because it's like, I don't know, then they wouldn't be there in the future. I, I'm not really sure. I, I guess there's always a risk of time travel stuff. They don't even really explicitly say mention time travel. Right. But... but there was that offhand comment of, uh, of primal or, or someone said to primal that, you know, you know, I was named after, after you, the, the legendary warrior and that he's not quite that person yet. Right. They're clearly from the future. I, I, and you know, we know from the cartoon, they are from the future. So, um, they definitely muddled that a little bit. And I, I hope that they come back to that more in the, uh, in a potential sequel. Yeah. Yeah. I, just because to me, when they do this kind of ambiguous stuff, it, it is just for profit's sake and for like, let's make things as generalized as possible so that we can get as many people, like, so that we don't make people tune out, right? Like regular people tune out. 
And I guess that kind of bothers me because I feel like it's sort of like, I'm not going to say cowardly, but it's like the safe bet, right? Because well, yeah, right, they, like, they want to make money. They, they want people to, to just go and see a, a kind of action movie they don't have to think too much about. And, you know, I want to think about these movies a lot. I do, and, and as, as do you. And that, that's what I want. I'll, I'll probably never get that. No. Um, but ultimately, they need to make a movie that's going to make them money. Yeah. I, I know, I know, I know. Like, because the, the line that you're talking about, I did kind of focus on that too, where like, I'm named after you, the legendary Optimus Prime. And, and like, I think one thing that general audiences know is that Transformers are like super long lived or that, you know, they've been around for thousands, millions of years, or whatever. Yeah. So it could make sense, like on another planet, there's a character named after him because he's been around for so long. Yeah. But then they're saying like, he's not at that point yet, you know? Yeah. So um, we, we have talked quite a bit about uh, like just the Optimus and the like the way the beasts are in the movie. But I think we should go into Air Razor a little bit too, right? Yes. Um, I thought Michelle Yeo was great as Air Razor. Uh, I, I think, you know, she kind of shows up out of nowhere in one scene and she's kind of like the link between the Autobots and the Maximals here. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed she doesn't transform. And I, I felt her, what happened to her was incredibly tragic and very graphic and a little horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what... <laughs> What, what exactly happened? I mean, because, okay, it, it is horrific because she gets, like, infected and then her eyes are red and she looks like this kind of demonic bird, right? Yeah. But that was one part I didn't get to was when uh, Optimus Primal is, like, sort of, like, choking her. And you don't hear, like, a crack or anything like that. So I would assume that, like, you would break her neck or something like that. But it didn't seem like that happened. I That's what I kind of thought. I, I thought, like, a neck was broken sort of thing. Um, there wasn't necessarily a sound, but I, the motion was there, I think, at least. Okay, okay. But, yeah, okay. I, I, essentially, Prime, she said, Primal, like, I, I'm losing I'm losing it here. You know, just do it. Get it over with. Yeah. Don't let this happen to me sort of thing. Um, and I, and that, I was not expecting that at all, to be honest. Yeah, well, okay, so that's one thing that kind of bothered me, too, though, was that she gets hit by Scourge, and then she gets kind of corrupted, right? And then Bumblebee, like, just fucking gets skewered by Scourge, and, like, nothing happens to him, you know? Well, it, it, Scourge did fire some specific thing at Air Razor. Okay, and okay. He, and he says, like, not for long. It's like that whole chase scene in Peru. Yeah. Like, as they're flying away, he, he fires some, like, disc thing, on, and it hits Air Razor. Yeah, where Bumblebee just did get impaled by a sword. <laughs> um, so maybe that was a particular weapon that did that. I guess. Yeah. Um, I I think somebody makes makes a comment. It might even been Air Razor that you know, Scourge poisons you with his touch, and clearly they didn't really follow up on that because that's the only person that it affected was Air Razor. Right. 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 Uh, well, you know, while we're talking about Scourge, did you like him? And I, I know that you're kind of critical of Peter Dinklage's performance in Destiny. How'd you feel about him in this? I thought he was pretty good in this, honestly. I, I liked him as a villain. Um, I, I really liked the the influences that came together to create it. Um, obviously, we have Scourge from one of the Heralds of Unicron from the 86 movie with the name. But appearance-wise, he's kind of like a like a, a, a black truck, like a monstrous-looking truck. And, and that's kind of taking inspiration from the, uh, the, the 2001 Robots in Disguise cartoon where there's just like a black Optimus Prime. And he's, you know, he's evil, which is kind of like the basis of Nemesis Prime. And they kind of match, and his name is Scourge. So they kind of match those two things together. And I really appreciated that. Um, I think there was supposed to be some more backstory with this character other than 
him just appearing at the beginning of the movie uh, to as a herald of Unicron. I think we were supposed to see him before Unicron destroys his planet. As I alluded to before, I think there were other planets with other robot characters on them. And I, I think that there was a scene where his mask comes off and you see his face and it's all disfigured and all that. I think that was supposed to have a lot more gravity because you were supposed to see what he looked like beforehand. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I did think that... Added to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I did think that they made such a big deal about his mask coming off and then him not having his mask on and like what his face looked like. I was like, yeah. there has to be more to this. And I get like if he his planet got destroyed and maybe he was like ravaged by it or whatever. Um, I was thinking that maybe one of the original versions of the script, he was actually supposed to be like an evil optimist and that like he was going to look like optimist with his mask off. A lot of people thought he was, a lot of people thought and wanted him to be uh, the, the Bayverse prime in the future. Yeah. yeah. The prime. Um, but, and, and maybe that could work, but I, I, I don't want, I don't want a bad optimist. And yeah. actually that was an, an ending they toyed with too. Um, the original ending of this movie, um, Optimus is not saved at the end, and he gets sucked up into the vortex. And and you see, you were supposed to see a shot of his body floating in space, and this Unicron uh, approaching and approaching Unicron, just like you would have seen Megatron approaching Unicron in in, in the '86 movie. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm glad that you brought up Megatron too because it's it's good that there's no Decepticons in this. It was supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay. Let's go back to the, what's so his name's Charlie Staples Jr. Stephen Caples Jr. <laughs> the director, um, you know, in the interview, he talked about how he like rewrote the movie a whole bunch of times. He wrote, wrote it to focus on the characters more. Uh, they also know, they mentioned that he like changed like stuff that happened with Mirage, like in the movie to reflect Peter Davidson's character more, you know? So, like, CGI stuff was changed. But anyway, um, with him and, and changing the script, uh, I, I think that there was an original version that had, like, Decepticons, Maximals, and Predacons, too, right? Uh, I don't think there was ever uh, anything with Predacons. I, I think oh. that I, I think that what we saw was we saw some kind of, kind of like, Scorponok-like drones that, that maybe people were taking as Predacons because it's kind of like an animalistic... Um, um, evil thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, the, uh, the 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 one scene that was cut cut with the Decepticon was you know the scene where you see Optimus opening uh you know transforming the first time in the movie. Yeah, uh, he's in like a bus depot and it's raining, and then you just see that you know the the thing come out of the sky, and then that's where, where they come in. Um, he was actually hunting a Decepticon there. It was a bus named Transit, and apparently Transit was supposed to be as he was like dying was gonna taunt him that. Uh, the Decepticons were, you know, had taken over Cybertron, and they was going to show him some kind of like hologram of Autobots being executed, which would have kind of added to his motivation to get back home and and the, the guilt he feels about being stranded here. Oh, okay. And supposedly that will be on the DVD at least. Uh, I don't know about any of the other stuff, but supposedly that should be on there. That's that's kind of cool. That's kind of unfortunate that they cut that out. That actually sounds. With with a lot of the things that I mentioned, with the thing with you, the ending, uh, Unicron, um, you know, originally Mirage was supposed to actually die as well and yeah. stay dead. Uh, yeah. And the thing with, with with that that scene with Transit, um, they the test screenings or whatever they they did, they 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 came away that it was too dark, and yeah. they needed to make it a little bit 
they need to give something the audience to cheer for, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it would have added some of those scenes would have added some depth there. I, I'm glad they didn't go with that ending. Uh, I, I am glad that they kept that they gave us that mid credit scene with Mirage. But I think I would have liked to have seen that transit scene in the movie still. Yeah. I think that would have given given a lot more uh, um, context for how Prime feels. Yeah. Totally agree, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, we, we can talk about the final battle, but, like, we're kind of setting up all the people that are at the final battle. Why don't we talk about the humans? For a sure. Yeah. Okay, so... So um, for the humans, you know, you have Noah Diaz and then you also have um, uh, Elena, right? The yes. girl that works in the museum. I, I think that the actress that played Elena did a good job for Noah. Okay, okay, okay. This is what I'm going to say. The actor that plays Noah, I, I think that he's a really talented actor. I've seen him in Hamilton. I thought he was excellent in Hamilton. I think that the stuff he has with his brother before he meets Mirage, it's like a little too heavy handed. Like it's a little too, I don't know, like too. Yeah. Like the world's against the world is against me sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I can appreciate that kind of story, but just the actual dialogue that he says and the stuff he's saying to his brother, it's like a little much. And then once Mirage comes in they kind of click the, the chemistry between the two of them is really good. And yeah. then, like, kind of roping in his brother and having the brother use, like, a walkie to talk to both him and Mirage. And that made that, like, way better. I, I agree with that as well, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, clearly the movie, like, takes a leap once Mirage comes in. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I, I did like Noah a lot. I, I, I do agree that maybe the, the, the opening scenes before the Transformers were involved were a little heavy-handed. But I appreciated that they were very br uh, brisk, you know? Like, we get to, we get to the good stuff what in like 15 minutes 20 minutes tops yeah yeah i feel like with that you know it took a lot longer in pretty much every other movie outside of the opening scenes you know oh yeah yeah um <laughs> and i appreciate that and i i did like elena a lot too i do think they they saddled her with some very very hefty exposition that yeah. would have been hard for anybody to get through honestly yeah and then like we talk about pitch meeting sometimes on here. We're both fans of the pitch meeting YouTube channel. And he makes this one point where he says, well, she uses this device. That's like human sized after she crawls through these human sized tunnels. And it's like, okay, why is there anything human sized for these giant robot creatures? Yeah. That, that they just needed something to have them do in the end there. Uh, I, I, that was one of the harder things to, to swallow, but you know, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of things. Yeah, you really got to suspend your disbelief for these movies. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I do think that was a little bit rougher, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I like for her, like, you know, when you're watching a movie like this, you know what's going to happen. You know, it's like, okay, well, you got to show their regular life first. Then there has to be this event where they get introduced to the Transformers. Then it's a matter of them, like, sort of trying to survive to the main battle. And everything's going towards this main battle at the end. And, you know, there's a couple of scenes where she's interacting with her boss and that's kind of the toughest stuff to sit through in the movie because you're sitting there thinking like, okay, you know, what does this matter at all? And, and the boss just didn't seem like that would be the person that's running a museum or like in charge of a museum. Well, I, I think, I think that they were just trying to get across that they're both kind of um, in not great positions in life. You know, they, they, they think they're, they're, they, they're better than where they are. You know, they should be better off than they are. Um, so by the end of this, you know, we have Noah 
getting, you know, uh, enlisted with GI Joe and you have Elena, you know, getting to have this whole like feature on her because of her involvement in this and her discoveries that, in, in Peru. So they, yeah. they kind of get, they kind of like they're, you know, they're under, they're overlooked in the beginning and now that they're finally getting in the spotlight, you know, like they should be. And I also appreciated too that, that, you know, it, it wasn't just like a, they weren't just like, you know, models, you know, like they, they were intelligent characters doing something and not just like, it wasn't just like a Megan Fox, like, just like, oh, I, I have, I'm the only human here and I have to do this and, you know, whatever, like at least that it was a science-based character or, or research-based character who's doing something. I, I appreciate little things like that and, and felt, I felt that uh, as opposed to the other movies. Yeah. A little side note that's interesting. The the girlfriend, um, the actress that or the model that played um Sam's girlfriend in the third movie, do you know that she's married to Jason Statham? Yes. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. And and then I you know, and the weird twist is that he's married to Megan Fox in the new Expendables movie that's coming out. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yes, that. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then you know, we have these human characters and we root for them. Uh there's this little thing where the brother has this illness and then G.I. Joe is going to essentially take care of the medical bills. I like that a lot. Um, the, the part that the audience like laughed at like hysterically was when um, Noah runs into his brother. The, the brother is like, who is this? Like he wants to know about this robot. And, and Noah says, oh, we're, we're just work friends or something like that. And he's like, work friends? You were inside of me. And the audience has lost their shit at that part. I did too, I think. Like really yeah funny. i left too I, I think uh well that maybe was a little more of the the kind of juvenile humor i suppose that you would have seen in the with with like sam or something like that in the other movies i do yeah, feel like they yeah. toned that down a little bit and, and i didn't mind that joke i thought that was funny the other yeah. the other part was uh you know he, mirage gave noah that little gauntlet on his hand and he said you don't want to know what body part that is <laughs> right right yeah yeah where that came from yeah okay so so that brings up look at the final battle right so uh, Mirage kind of has this heroic moment where he takes on Scourge, and I think they did a very, very good job of establishing Scourge and the other Terracons as like a true threat that were like superior to the Autobots combat-wise. And yes. uh, Mirage, Mirage yeah. taking them on was like very brave, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And so, so he essentially like gets killed, and he says, "You know, I need you to take the wheel." And I don't think we've ever really seen something like that in Transformers. I know we have headmasters and stuff, but like yeah, I've I've never seen a, a human or smaller character essentially use a Transformers corpse as like an exosuit sort of thing. Right, um, right. Like Iron Iron Man, Man, but I I kind of thought it was cool, honestly. And um and, and had and it, it had they kept that original ending where Mirage does not come back, I I would have that would have been like like a bummer, I think. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, like, um, you know, G.I. Joe shows up at the very end, and I know that sort of wasn't planned, but it kind of reminded me of those fucking suits that they had in the first G.I. Joe live-action movie. True, yeah, good point. And I, was, I could see that, like, sort of like the Mirage thing being an inspiration for that. Yeah. But um, um, you, you liked him fighting in those suit, in that suit? I did. I didn't mind it at all, because I, I, I really, it really gave me Exo, Daniel Exosuit vibes from the, the 86 movie. Um, right, and that's what the director said he was going for. Yeah, so that 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 totally worked for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I also have to say that I, I mean I, I'm not the the biggest fan of the Bumblebee character. Yeah, I like the, the little Bumblebee. I like the little buddy version of Bumblebee from the original much better. But however, his return in this battle was awesome. 
Um, they, they were playing Mama Said Knock You Out. We didn't talk about the soundtrack either. The soundtrack was fantastic in this movie. Agreed. Um, and uh, that, but you know, he, he comes in off, off the jumps out of stratosphere and he's just kicking ass. And he actually says, I came here to kick ass, which is an abbreviated version of uh, Nada's line played by Roddy Piper from They Live, which I, I love that movie and I love that that line. So, yes, um, that 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 line completely validated every instance of Bumblebee talking through the radio that I've tolerated since they introduced it. Because <laughs> um, that that that's how good that was to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, that that was a really great sequence when he came back. I was like, I kind of knew that was going to happen. Like once they had the little energon surge go through the valley, and then it like went up to him. I was yeah. like, oh, isn't, there, there's a scene where he jumps out of a plane. He's like shooting those little pods and shit. So yep, I knew knew that was going to happen. Um, it isn't that song. Like, is it Mark Wahlberg singing on that song? There was a Mark Wahlberg jo- uh, joke too in the, in the beginning, wasn't there? Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Does he sing on that? I thought that was LL Cool J. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, they, they make some kind of, like, uh, Peter Davidson says something about, like, you know, he's going to leave the funky bunch. Oh, I can't believe Marky Mark's leaving the funky bunch. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, to get back to the final battle, though, I wanted to make one comment. Um, I, I I, really appreciated the, the battle that was in Brooklyn outside the museum because mm-hmm. the uh, the Autobots really struggled there. Oh, Yeah. Ericons. And then I felt with the final battle, it's like that that thing where uh, you know suddenly they're they can take them on now. Like I know they had the the addition of, of the Maximals, and they're apparently a, a bit stronger because they're older and more advanced. But um, you know, it seemed a little too easy for them to take them down with the addition of all these like Terracon drones being around too. And I know it looked cool and all like that, but. I, I really appreciate when the uh, when the Decepticons or the enemies are bigger and stronger and they, they you know they have to work at it to take them down and they kind of like threw that out the window for the final battle as much as it looked cool it's just like oh now now we can do everything it's easy again you know yeah yeah I oh shit um, I, I I agree with you there completely that they were like intimidating then all of a sudden they could like kick their asses. Um, I was just trying to think if there's anything I wanted to add to that. Well, in your notes, you also mentioned RC and uh, Wheeljack. Yeah. And RC, like, she, you know, she kind of stands out because she's like almost like a gymnast just spiraling around. I, yeah. I kind of like that visual during the battle. I thought that was kind of made things more interesting. Uh, Nightbird, right? That's the yep, one of the Terracons. I thought that she was really cool, too. I, I thought the, the especially the looks of the Terracons were awesome. Yeah. I greatly appreciated that they, they look more like the Autobots do in the sense that they look like robots and not just these monstrosities like the Decepticons were in the previous movies. Yeah, they have colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they just look they look like Transformers, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, like another part that was really funny too, like because we didn't really talk about Wheeljack at all, but he's got this like Spanish accent or whatever. And... Uh, you know, Noah says something to him in Spanish, and then he they tells Noah that he's racist. Yeah, I, I that was a nice like call out. I think I, I definitely laughed at that scene. Um, it, it's you know, it, it is weird that robots have accents. I guess you know, um, they've been doing that since the first Bay movie. You know, they, they've had these ca- robots be caricatures uh, and stereotypes, and um, they they kind of address it. I, I don't know how I feel about it ultimately because they're still doing it, but they're just poking fun at themselves, like. Like you said before, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, that's that's lampshading. Is like, oh, 
we're, yeah. we're we're making a joke about right. it. I mean, we're still doing it, but we're yeah, making a yeah. joke about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and the characters, the 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 Transformers have always had like weird ass accents, even from like the cartoons. Yeah, but so. I but they're definitely more exaggerated in these movies. I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So there is talks for there to be a sequel to this, right? There's a Transformers eight. Uh, yeah, this they're they're in talks about it. They, they said it's it's uh, it's not greenlit yet, but I mean, I, I think it it, it it did pretty well. It made about sixty million the first weekend, uh, especially in a tough market here with you know, um, with with Spider Verse the week before the Flash after. Uh, it, it, I'll be I'll be interested to see what it makes this weekend with the Flash out now. Um, yeah. But I think it did well enough, and again, did well internationally as well. Uh, and it hasn't even premiered everywhere internationally yet. So I, I think it, it's pretty, I think it's a pretty good bet that we'll see another movie here. Yeah, good. Okay. I'm excited. I, I hope that they have the same director this time around too. Cause I mean, I can tell he's a real fan and he yeah. definitely loves the 86 movie. He said in that interview that the 86 movie was his favorite Transformers movie. So I'm like, that's the yeah. correct answer. <laughs> yeah. That's the only answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, we didn't talk about Unicron at all, really. And I you just should. wanted to say a couple things. Just, just, uh, I, I loved hearing those. There was a couple little hints of the original Unicron theme when he was on screen there. And there was a scene where Scourge brings half of the Transwarp key back to Unicron, thinking he was triumphant. And then he, like, kind of gets, like, tortured by Unicron, just like he did to Galvatron, Galvatron. in the movie, which was awesome. I also really like the voice they got for um, for Unicron. I don't remember the actor's name. I know he's from. Uh, I think he's from Atlanta. Maybe. Oh, the show Atlanta. No, is it? No, it's not Atlanta. God oh, damn! Oh. I forgot what, what it was. Anyway, I thought it was really good. I'm excited to see more. I know Unicron's gonna be back, uh, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I'm a little worried if they try to cram GI Joe into this, but yeah. um, I, I hope they kind of keep them more separate and maybe just Noah's our GI Joe with a couple little cameos and they keep them mostly separate. Because I do fear that, much like, some you know the mo most of the Autobots and the Maximals here were just kind of crammed in as background characters. When you introduce GI Joe and you have all uh, the whole that whole other IP with all these deep cut characters, you're just not going to service any of the fandoms properly. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what ended up being IDW's downfall. I think is like sort of mixing too much with like. Yeah. GI Joe and Transformers and Rom and uh, fucking... well, the, the Rom the Rom thing was actually really good, uh, the Rom miniseries, <clears throat> but uh, I, I think like when when they did, um, I, I read a little bit of the Micronauts, but I think like the the straw that really broke me was the first issue of Visionaries. Oh, uh, no, no, this is too much. Like this does not work. This just doesn't work. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and that was like the one series like, I didn't read the crossover of. Yeah, 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 yeah. They killed Cup. Yeah, that was that was wrong. Yeah, they yeah. killed Cup in the first issue. Yeah, which was no, you don't kill Cup. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I too liked Unicron. I mean, Unicron at least as a planet looked really good in this, and you know yeah. when he goes to eat the Maximals planet, that was pretty great in the beginning. Uh, I'm down for some future Unicron movies, especially if he's going to turn into his robot mode at one point too. They mentioned yes. Primus in this too. I think this is the first yes. time they mentioned Primus in a live action movie. They mentioned Primus. They had. They said two all or one as well. Oh um, yeah, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, there's just a lot of little nods to 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 previous Transformers things that I really appreciated seeing them out there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we both liked it. Uh, we didn't do one of our rankings, but for me, just like off top, off the cuff, I put like Bumblebee as number one. I think I put this as number two. 
and then I put the first Michael Bay one as number three. What about you? Uh, I I mean, uh, of course, if we ever consider the animated movie uh, in here, that's always going to be number one. That, I, I There will be nothing that will top that. Uh, I, yeah. I, I will just flat out say that. I'm actually putting this as my favorite live action movie. Nice, man. Nice. Um, so, and then I have to, that I have, I really like Dark of the Moon a lot still. And then I have, um, I kind of have Transformers 1 and Bumblebee as a tie. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, it's tough to call. There's a lot of nostalgia with one, but I really like uh, what they did in Bumblebee a, a lot. Nice, man. Okay. Well, I think that's good for today's episode. We're going to come back with our next episode where we're talking about Ezra Miller and The Flash. It's finally here. I'm sure Brian has a lot to say about that. So do I. Uh, I enjoyed talking about Transformers with you, man. Finally. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, we will talk about Flash next time. And then Secret Invasion is on the horizon too. So we will see you guys. Make sure that you like and subscribe. We can always use the support. And we want to know what you thought of this movie too. So we will see you guys real soon.